Welcome to NIL Undressed. I'm your host, Ryan Schockner, along with Cheney Robinson. Hello, hello. Today, I'm pumped, man. I am pumped to have Michael Seabrook Jr. He is a friend, but he's also the founder and lead advisor of Brookline Sports. Michael created Brookline Sports after five plus years of experience in the sports industry. He has worked through, uh, he's worked with Madison Square Garden, StubHub, NBA, the Jets, the NFL in a variety of different roles. And through those experiences, he noticed one thing, right? He noticed that athletes needed a mentor, someone to help guide them in their careers outside of sports. So he went all in. He put all the chips on the table. He turned to become an advisor slash manager to help athletes build careers outside of sports. So his focus now is to help develop athletes' brands, create marketing strategies for their careers, get involved in the community, and in addition to plan their post-athletic careers, right? Something that a lot of these guys, they don't focus on. So he's helping plan their post-athletic careers with his education and the years of experience. Michael, uh, he looks to build a relationship with the athletes that become family. His motto is only family. Michael, man, again, I'm pumped. Thank you for coming on. Welcome to NIL Undress, man. Let's appreciate get it. let's get after it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. I'm thinking about man. It was a lot of years I put in uh, at those, those uh, different employers. So uh, definitely some great companies there. So I'm excited. Yeah, man. We all pay our dues, right? For the for the greater good. And you figured out what your greater good is. So before, sure. I think I know the answer to this, right? But before you know, our first question for or against NIL? And before you answer, has your view of it changed over time? Um, no, my view has always been the same. And I'm, I'm, you know, stand down on it as well. Um, I'm for NIL. Um, I've always been for the athlete, you know. Um, and I just think that athletes put so much work in. Uh, a lot of people don't see the things they do behind scenes. You know, they see the finished product on the field or on the court um, during game days. But it's like they put a lot of work in at the collegiate level. Um, I have experience working uh, at a Division One uh, basketball program. So I worked with a women's basketball at West Virginia University. Um, so being there, I was a director of operation intern and a student manager. Uh, and just seeing those women as well. They put in the same amount of time as the men, you know, getting up early for 5, 6 a.m. weeks having to go to class, then go to practice. And then, you know, you put the extra work in after practice. You still got to go to study hall, traveling. Uh, there's so much that goes into that. Um, but I would say for from our bigger sports pertaining to, like, let's say your footballs, the amount of money it brings in, um, and it never seemed right that a lot these athletes don't even see a penny of it. So always stand for the athlete. Absolutely. Well, and, then, and the funny thing is the arguments – against nil are so weak right and they go to the traditional like well they're going to make money in pros well then you have all those stats that that really point against that you know and it's like all right let's let's just use common sense here let's not be greedy and let's let people participate i think uh it goes back to i think a lot of people are just i would say traditional social norms is the more say you want to you want to talk about is when you're so used to something um, and when there's change, it could be change for good or change for bad. But when there's any change, people always have a pushback. They try not to look at the facts. They try not to um, understand the opposite, the opposite side. But if you do look at the facts is, you know, there's less than one percent of collegiate athletes actually go pro, you know, to that next level. Um, you know, the same argument of, you know, they get a free education um, and I you can 
battle that as well with you know what a lot of stuff is you know what does that even mean a free education you know they're you know my mind they get a free piece of paper um you know the paper that states the they they have a certification of degree of completion um but the, you know at school the education is being in those courses doing the work um meeting with your peers and your peer groups of those industries of your major of gaining that knowledge and most of the time you're spending out your practices you're traveling your games um, you're bringing so much money in for school, but not seeing any revenue or any type of, you know, anything. It that never seemed right. So, well, and even building those relationships, right? I mean, that's part of the the, the non student athlete experience that most uh, non student athletes get to do. They get to do the full time internship in the summer, uh, have that part time job or full time job, or make those alumni connections. And until NIL went live, these athletes were handcuffed. I mean, if they went out and got an opportunity, then so and someone found out about it, then it the only reason they got it was because they were an athlete, right? And it, that that just followed them. And so they were really handcuffed to what they could achieve um, outside of the the athletic world. Yeah. Uh you literally hit it on the nail. I think the biggest issue for NIL is how it's being marketed or, you know, from a public relations standpoint, um, the emphasis is literally on just the financial piece of they can make money. You know, they can work with a brand and make money. Um, but as you just noted and stated, like it can be an internship. Um, it can be community involvement. Um, there was a, a moment where a, I think Trevor Lawrence as well. And there was a moment where there was another athlete try to raise, you know, money on a GoFundMe um, for a good cause. And that got stopped by, you know, NCAA. Um, and kind of got reviewed. So it's, it could be a, so many different things diving into, you know, NIL is not just about, you know, receiving money from a company or a brand, but maybe you are a DJ, maybe you are an artist. You know, I know athletes that are artists that can, the artists that can draw. Um, and unfortunately, they can't sell or promote their, their, their work because they're an athlete. So, yeah, very cool. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, we heard a little bit about where you worked, right? But how did you get from, you know, Michael, you know, student and and all that to working into the sports industry? Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's a weird story, but not a weird story, but um a huge used to be a well, I still am, but I'm a huge New York Jets fan uh growing up from New Jersey. Um, you're pumped now then, right? Yeah, you got Rogers Super Bowl right. or nothing. I have mixed feelings, but Rogers is already here, so obviously I'm pumped, but I've had mixed feelings on going that route um, for the team. But uh, yeah, as a kid, I was a huge Jets fan. Um, I think for me, I always used to get the newspaper and an offseason and figure out what would be the best acquisitions for the team, you know, looking at the salary cap and things like that. Um, used to be in, you know, middle school and, and don't even eat lunch in a lunchroom would be with our, you know, gym teacher and some of the guys would just talk sports. And for me, I was always interested in working in sports. I never knew how to get in there. I think there was, you know, my time there was never really promoted on the the how the path to get into working in sports. Um, so all I thought was you just go get a business degree and work in sports. Um, I think when I got to high school, I started Googling and researching. I noticed that there was schools that did provide sports management. Reached, you know, I looked at West Virginia University um, and I got drawn there and I attended. Uh, so while in school, I was part of the sports management department. Um, I got involved with that women's basketball team because um, I needed an internship to graduate. So worked with them, um, got exposed to a lot, got to travel for a Big 12, um, different schools. I received a piece of our net that we won. Uh, we was a regular season champion 2013-14. Um, so I was part of that group as well. And I think I was exposed to that. Um, but upon graduating in 2014, 
I got my first internship with the New York Jets, which was a circle, a circle moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I came back home and started back in 2015. And I started off as an intern, um, just doing, you know, client relations and kind of ticket sales stuff. Um, after a good year, I kind of networked my way uh, into doing more. So I turned into like a part-time associate where I worked a lot of different events. Um, so it went from practices, training camp, sponsored event, corporate events, to player pop-ups, to uh, training camp, game days. Um, so I worked all those. And from that, it was just being exposed. I think being around the athletes and just building relationships and just communicating with them. Um, I was just exposed to a lot. And from there, that kind of what drew me into the industry. And then from there, I just gained a bunch of experience. I, you know, Madison Square Garden, doing marketing yeah. partnerships and contracts, and then working at the NBA headquarters and NFL headquarters and working accounts and StubHub and seeing how that process went. So just getting a variety of, uh, I said, experience and expertise, which formulated on what I actually really wanted to do. I did a lot of different stuff and I knew things I liked and what I didn't like and kind of what drew me to working with athletes. Very cool. So did I just hear you were playing fantasy sports before fantasy sports was a thing? <laughs> um, which is weird. Yes. So actually fantasy was a thing, but it wasn't, there was no applications or anything like that. Oddly, yeah. my dad actually played fantasy with his job and they used to have like the printout sheets and you have to like very like manual. Uh, but for me, I just, I felt like I can draft and I felt like I can sign players better. I just felt, I knew the fit. For me, yeah. I just saw the talent. I felt like the team, this would be a perfect fit, this with that. Um, and for me, I was, I wouldn't say I was right 100% of the time, but high percentage. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, um, and it's, it's funny because it's circle moments back to the business now that I do. It's, I have an eye for talent. Um, and it's where it's oddly, you know, I'll reach out to some of my colleagues and say, Hey, you need to look into this person or look into that person. And they may or may not, but then circle back that person, you know, gets drafted or gets highly, you know, touted from a talent standpoint. And they're like, man, you put me on a few years before. And I'm like, I try to, but like, <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, just the eye for talent. I think I just definitely developed. So, so, so these athletes, right. We, we put them on this pedestal, right. And we view them. And what they do on the field is amazing, but they are just real people, right? They, they are normal. They have likes, they have dislikes. They they like to have conversations outside of athletics. It's super, super normal. I think uh, just coming from a sport, a, a, I say athletic world, you know, just growing up, I've been around athletes my whole life. You know, I played high school sports, wasn't an All-American or anything, but I've been around, you know, high quality athletes, talented athletes. Uh, my family's close. You know, we're in New Jersey, so we have a lot of, you know, talented football and basketball athletes. My family's oh, close. Sure. Some, you know, highly recruited, some guys in NBA as well now. So just being around athletes to me, it was normal. Like, I just saw them as regular people, your everyday people. Um, working for the Jets, I think everyone, like you said, put them on a pedestal and made it a kind of a, a known thing that you're not supposed to talk to the athlete while working. You're supposed to be like standoffish and for me it was just natural and normal that i gravitate to these guys these guys come up to me we're cracking jokes we're having fun um some of them i have we have mutual friends because they played i have people that played with them um so it was just natural for me it was just you know laughing and you know seeing them all training camp and, and, and having inside jokes to really notice that developing a relationship was pretty easy for me um it seemed hard for a lot of people and i hear a lot of stories on people trying to build those relationships with athletes. But for me, it just came natural. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Michael, glad to have you on the podcast, man. But let's jump into this NIL 
this newfangled thing that we're all getting <laughs> to learn and changes day after day. So one of the arguments that we're hearing against NIL is that kids should focus on academics and not so much on sports and introducing NIL will further distract them from the academic side. So what do you, as you hear that, what is, how does that hit you? What is your response to that? Um, my blunt response is the school doesn't really care about the academics in the first place. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, yeah. uh, there's little, I would say, you know, news and articles you can Google is very open where the whole UNC incident where they were like forging grades. Um, and there's no shade to UNC or the athletes there, but that's uh, public knowledge and, and the news. And there are other public knowledgeable incidents as that. Um, so for me, that whole argument of we care about the athlete academics is kind of like thrown out the window. For me, I think they're trying to use that to dim down the NIL, but it's, you know, if they did originally care about the academics, um, I would look into that as a, I'll say our reasoning. Um, but as we started this conversation, we did speak about, you know, the longevity of an athlete. So they didn't really care about uh, athletes post careers. So, you know, the guys that don't go pro or the girls that don't go pro, which some, you know, sports don't really have pro divisions, where yeah. they need to assist them with finding opportunities as in workforce. You know, I've I've had, you know, guys reach out a long time ago looking for jobs. Um, and now you know, I think the emphasis on academics and post-career has become a thing. So, you know, they develop us a whole new role called student development, which wasn't around 10 years ago. Uh, probably wasn't around more like, I think the last five years, that's been a thing. The yeah. student development role kind of working with bringing people in to speak to athletes about post-career and post-college just recently became a thing. And I think that for me, like indicates like, okay, cool. This whole notion of academics wasn't really important until now they want to emphasize it because they're getting some financial benefits um, and stuff like that. So I don't really, you know, that argument's not really huge on my end. So, yeah. So that's, that's a side that I didn't even, I didn't even think about. Right. So, and, and I would agree with that, that a lot of these, I mean, they're there to, it's a business, right. At the end of the day. And we use that excuse that sports is a business. And so they want to win and they want to make sure these athletes are getting bigger and stronger and 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 winning right helping the university win i think it i think it make it's that that argument uh i think nil makes them want to engage in the academics more right because now they can make money on it so now i have to learn how to do this i have to learn how to do that and and so to me that argument is is like it's so uh, out there and and holds relatively zero weight that uh, even at the high school level, I think, you know, it's getting these kids that are maybe so focused on sports, opening the door for them to get NIL opportunities is now having them look at other things versus just solely 100% on sports. I totally agree. Um, I think also, I think, you know, when you have something to strive for, you have to stay in school, you know, so like you can be the baddest athlete there is and the talented athlete there is. But if you can't, you know, your grades aren't good and you can't be on a team and things like that, you won't be able to have those opportunities. So I, I agree. I think the emphasis now is like, man, like, you know, from a, I would say the women's side, you know, the women, you know, women's basketball, they were they were talking about how much they're making more money at collegiate level. Where it's like to stay in school, you have to have the grades. And I'm pretty sure they're buckling down to make sure, like, I have to stay in school. Like, for me to retain these opportunities, you know, 
literally I I I read over a few contracts. The main line is as long as you stay part of the team or academically within the school, things like that. It's like if you're not part of the school, is like you're you're no use to them. Um so it's kind of yeah, stay in school. Yeah, so. absolutely. So NIL is developed in two ways, right? And and I always describe it as you have the business of NIL and then there's the spirit of NIL. And the business of NIL is is the collectives. And for those people that don't understand collectives, it is pay for play, uh, but it but it's done through the money to the athletes is done through NIL opportunities. And so both things can be it can be legal and it can be pay for play all at the same time. I I like it. It is what it is. Um, but then you have this the spirit of NIL, which is that entrepreneurial. And I think that's what um, NIL was really meant to be. Uh, so my question is, how has the business of NIL impacted uh, the pro and potentially pro players in terms of opportunities at the next level? Literally, just going off the statement I just noted, I think there's a few different cases I, I've, I've seen. Uh, we want to talk about women basketball. I think the product of women basketball is amazing now. Like the the athletes, the stars that are being created, the storylines, um, it's amazing. Now we know at the pro level, you know, the compensation and the CBA and the structure there. Um, that's a whole different topic. Um, but noting that the women are making more at this level, um, you know, they kind of retain themselves or maybe going pro. Uh, I know it's not normal for women to go pro, you know, after two or three years, but there are athletes that, you know, there's a few that probably could have went, um, but they noted, you know, Angel Reese noted in her statement that she's not in a rush to go pro because she's making a lot more money than the athletes that are transitioning to the professional level. Um, so that's a case there. Um, for, I would say the overall consensus, I love it from changing business from a professional side. And it helps me out who does marketing is a lot of athletes at the pro level, um, when they hear marketing in their minds, they're thinking, okay, you reach out to a brand, they want to do a deal with me because I play professional and they're going to give me all this money. And that's not the case. I think dumb understanding marketing was very lack of, and I think I'm not going to get into a whole spiral under, you know, case of, you know, how the agencies are presenting it to them and understanding, you know, how to do marketing. Um, but at this level now, it's amazing because athletes are truly understanding the content creation side, how to build a relationship with brands and businesses and, you know, posting, you know, athletes, for some reason, a lot of these, you know, athletes don't post a lot. Now it's, you know, in the contractual terms, you want money in the contractual term, you have to post these stories and these, and these things they receive financial, you know, monetary incentives. And I think that helps them understand it now. So when they do go pro from someone like myself, it's they understand and get it. Like I worked with this brand. I had to post this before I understand it. I get it. Um, so for me, it's it's a huge plus. Um, from that standpoint, I think the the negative was the case with the Angel Reese case of, you know, the stars, the, the huge stars coming up and building this is they don't see a rush to go pro because Financially, they're set now and now, now in college. Um, so there's so many incidents, you know, maybe basketball. Some guys might stay a little longer in basketball and college basketball. You know, a lot of the one and dones were leaving. Maybe some might stay, you know, develop a little more. You know, that might help the school out as well. So there's so many different cases and scenarios. I just for guys and girls, I hope they do the best for them at the, at the, at the end. Yeah. So if, if you'd be willing to share, who are some of the athletes that you work with, either college or pro? We want to thank our sponsor, Success Beyond Game Day. 
For many athletes, the last safe place was the locker room. They could be themselves and not be judged. Success Beyond Game Day creates a locker room community for athlete development. Partnering with individual athletes, high schools, athletic departments, college and pro teams on building their brands, understanding name, image, and likeness, how to get deals, and personal finance, all while leveraging a proprietary assessment that identifies core skills that athletes can leverage to create a competitive advantage, all while creating an environment where athletes can connect to push each other to greatness. Check it out at www.successbeyondgameday.com. I work with Miles Hartsfield, who is going on his fourth year. He is a defensive back for San Francisco 49ers. He is more of the nickel slash safety. Uh, I work with Madre Harper, who is currently with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going on his third year, plays cornerback. Now, at the collegiate level, um, I don't work with anyone officially, but I do have a lot of athletes I mentor and advise. Uh, for me, just waiting to see what the NIL space look like, uh, if there's any beneficial for me uh, from a financial standpoint, it is a lot of work, you know, putting in the hours and work, sourcing deals, yeah, um, contracts, managing managing them at the collegiate level. Um, and for me, not seeing a ROI return on my investment um, or like from financial benefit, I don't see, if I don't see one, it's, it's too much work. Um, but just, you know, not seeing any return. Uh, so I do offer advising and mentorship for them. So I am in contact with a, a few guys where, you know, we, we stay in contact, you know, I help them with, you know, if they need a contract looked over. Um, we look it over, you know, no fee, uh, just building a relationship, just, just inform them as I prefer you to be careful and safe than just signing anything and signing your rights away. Um, and for me, just, you know, they pick my brain, you know, I, I, you know, we talk about if it's real estate, if it's ideas, media ideas, starting a YouTube page, um, you know, how to go about that, you know, what are some ideas they can do on campus? You know, I, I talk to them just, you know, throwing out different ideas and let them, you know, go about it, but I do not build out anything for them. Um, I don't kind of source deals or anything like that. Um, now if someone approached me, asking they had an opportunity for guys, like that's a different story, but um, yeah, I don't do any sourcing or anything at the collegiate level. Um, I do have a cousin who's at the collegiate level, so he's a little special case, <laughs> but it's family, um, man. Yeah, yes, right. I'll be, I'll be kind of working with him and doing his work, but that's family. So, um, he's a different case. <laughs> right. Well, and, and two, you got to keep in mind the compliance side of it at the collegiate level too. So that's even more work for you, which is, is also hitting, hitting that ROI for you as well. Yeah. Um, so luckily I do have a lot of colleagues at the collegiate space where getting that information in on the compliance side is pretty easy. But as you noted, it's a lot of work because I'm not an agent. So a lot of agents are certified in a lot of these states because they're recruiting. Um, so for me, it's staying, making sure they're good from a compliance standpoint, that they're clear, that everything's approved, but also just noting that I don't want to get into those kind of those gray areas. Um so I kind of just stay as a mentor, advisor. You know, I don't take any financial benefits from them. They don't pay me or anything. Um, I'm just here to see them do the right things and ask the right questions. Now, when they transition and going pro, you know, I I throw my hat in the ring and kind of hope to have a meeting with them to get them to the next level and work with them there. But um, at the collegiate level, we do not do anything officially. And I think that's one of the reasons why why we get along so well, right? I mean, you see potential in these athletes, whether they go pro or not, 
they have potential that they can break, you know, bring to the world and, and to be able to mentor some of these college kids without charging them. And, um, you know, cause, cause we see a lot of that and I'm sure you see even more than that. And are they, are they getting what they're paying for? I, you know, I'm not going to touch that one, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but to be that sounding board and to guide them without that financial, uh, tie, I think is, is so important. So tell me just some highlights outside of being the, the NFL guys, right? You've got these two, what are they off the field? What, what are they, some of the stuff that they're involved in? Yeah. So I'm excited. So Miles Hartsfield is going on his fourth year. Um, he's going to be on his first year with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, one of the amazing things about him is he actually opened up a gym. Um, and I would say also quote unquote wellness center. Um, I'll explain that. Um, so one of the things for me meeting with him, it was emphasizing the off field, you know, just, you know, let's find a passion. Let's figure out something that you can do long-term. Um, unfortunately his year coming out was COVID. Uh, so it was pretty tough doing anything, marketing, strategizing for marketing, working with brands, you know, the way COVID hit, he didn't have a pro day. Um, so it was just that process for that first year or two was stressful. But for him, he opened a gym his first year as a rookie. Um, so how he went about it, you know, he has some best friends that are former Division II athletes as well. Um, and they were trying to help him stay fit, you know, in the summer. You know, gyms were closed. You know, you couldn't work out. But um, you have to stay fit for a training camp. You know, there were no OTAs, no mini camps. Everything was virtual. Uh, so for him, you know, he had to stay ready and go into the season. He would have a week and a half to two weeks to prepare. Um, so they were helping him work out in, on a on a local field, and there were people walking the track, and it was like, "Hey, there's no gyms open. We want to work out." And it, it started from them just helping him train to like they having like friends, families, locals. They got a permit, uh, and then after that, they sat down in a room and just basically figured out like how do we turn this into business. And it was just me mentoring him, coaching him through, you know meeting him for the I've met him 2018 and we're in 2020 was how do he goes about that and is making sure that you you hash out all the areas that's needed. Um so they did all that. They built the LLC, they got a business bank account. Uh make sure I advise him on contractual stuff of his friends. You know, I'm very high on not mixing friends and family with business. Um but you know he has contracts for each of them. They all have contracts and they opened their gym up during COVID of 2020. Now, how we did that was it was a loophole in the COVID restrictions, I would say laws and rules that only wellness centers were able to stay open. So it was deemed a wellness center. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so they were able to open up during those times, but they had to have the, the proper procedures or protocols. So it has to have been someone cleaning on a regular, um, you know, hand sanitizer, masks had to be worn, et cetera. Uh, but they opened their first location. And it went pretty well and they outgrew it after a year and a half. And they just opened up their, they closed that one down, opened up a huge, a bigger location in December of 2022. Um, turf, turf is down. They have free weights, they, um, recovery room and it's doing pretty well. Um, so that's something, you know, working with an athlete is helping advise on those processes. Um, you know, for me, there's some other next steps we're looking to get into. So. He, he has a foundation. So his mom runs his foundation. Uh, so we get involved in the community a lot. We're starting a 707 team this year. So we want to build out a 707 team uh, and hopefully do something how Cam Newton's doing. And for the state of New Jersey, you know, offer these opportunities to these athletes, but also utilize our connections. Um, he's He was a four-star recruit. So he has all these coaches, 
still numbers in his phone and be able to kind of help those kids get to the next level as well. Um, so that's something we, we also planning out. Um, he's huge on podcasts. So, you know, he started a podcast. We paused it for a little bit since he's going to San Francisco and we're going to redo it. Um, but we want to make sure we do, we do it properly. Um, so there's a lot of things he wants to do and it's a lot of moving parts, you know, wanting to start streaming on Twitch and gaming and things like that. Uh, so just making sure we're organized and have those out. Um, then my other guy, Madre Harper, he's huge into real estate. You know, he wants to get into real estate so bad. Um, so I have a lot of people like sourcing opportunities for him at the moment. Um, and he's just hoping to get his first, you know, his first, you know, property, rental property. So he does have a couple of Airbnbs out in Texas, but, um, you know, that first property, you know, once you can, you know, crack that egg, you get that first one thing rolls after. Uh, so those are some things right there. We work with him as well. I love that. You know, and I love the, the, you know, the think bigger, you know, we started with a gym and now let's impact some kids and let's, let's think bigger and let's think, you know, you know, some Airbnbs and now let's think apartments and let's think. So I love that aspect that you're, that you're bringing to these guys. Yeah. It's, I think for me, it's, when you have someone that's, you know, everyone has people that are just strictly um, in a specific industry on one channel, one lane. Um, and they're always around those type of those type of people, professionals. But it's like being able to come think differently outside the box, think bigger, like you said, strategically. Um, for me, it's thinking authentically like, OK, cool. Like you like to you like fitness, you know, so what can we do within that? And, you know, you started training. OK, cool. How do we expand that? Um, you know, it's a nugget. You know, we're possibly prepping to do combine training. Um, so it's stuff like that. Like, how do we expand not just what you're starting, but let's develop a business. So, you know, when you're, when you're retiring, you have this bigger facility and you have these, now your name is huge and these athletes, the top athletes want to train with you. And then you have combine training. And then, you know, we have a whole multitude of business within one, you know, one gym. And then you have, you know, combine training, you have personal athlete training and regular, you know, everyday, you know, civilian training, um, just having all that there. But um, same thing with real estate, you know, you start with an Airbnb, and then you shift to multi-unit properties and multi-family homes, and then maybe you go commercial buildings, and then maybe you lease a commercial building out to a business. Um, so it's just, you know, taking it brick by brick um, and then expanding on that. There you go. Absolutely. Michael, we know we in some states have approved NIL for at the high school level. And some some have not. We actually here in South Carolina, they they approved it and then it got struck down immediately, right? So, what are you, what are your thoughts on NIL in, at the high school level? Uh, so honestly, I think it should be approved in all states. I think for me, just more so, I never understood from a logical standpoint why someone is not allowed to make money off of their name in general. I think like if I was a 14 year old in high school and I was a gamer, I can, I was really, well, I actually was a gamer, but uh, being really good at a specific game, I can monetize that. I could stream, I can go to different tournaments, I can make money. Um, if I was a 15 year old who can break hair or do nails, like you can, you can, you know, capitalize off of that. But for me, I never understood that because I'm an athlete and I play sports that I'm not allowed to, you know, someone's not allowed to give me money to promote something or I can't do anything, you know, saying I'm an athlete, which is very odd and weird. Uh, and which is weird because if you look into the the information, just having a sports management background, uh, high school sports is a billion dollar industry. Um, and it's not stating like the the physical game on the field, but it's, you know, the training now, you know, all these sports have 
specific trainers. You know, you, you have to go to a gym to work out and get fit, but then also you have a quarterback specialist or a defensive yeah. back specialist. Um, then you, you know, you go to, you have a trainer that actually trains you to, to put on weight and lift and things like that. For basketball, you go to these AAU tournaments, you're traveling, your parents are traveling all over, you're paying all these monies, hotels, the AAU team is sponsored. And it's just a lot that goes into now high school sports and all these, you know, classics and these events, hoop groups and 707 tournaments is so much that goes on. For me, it's okay. They're being exposed there. You know, the, the media platforms are there, you know, there's college coaches are there. There's sometimes pro coaches at some of these places. Why isn't an athlete allowed to, you know, receive an opportunity from a business or a brand because their performance on the field or court, you know, open that I never made sense to me. Um, right. I think it should be open to it. Um, I do think, I do think it pushes more financial literacy at an early stage, which I love because now it's not just, oh, I'm making money, I'm getting a check, but now understanding like how contracts work at the earliest right. level. Because when you get to the pros, guys are, you know, guys are normally signing, just signing, not reviewing it. You know, parents are signing without reviewing things. So I do think it does emphasize things at an earlier level. So parents have to be very aware of what they're signing, what they're getting into, you know, financially, taxes, those things that high school kids might not really care about at the early age. Now they have to be very aware of it. Um, and I think that helps by the time they go pro, they're already understanding that process. They're already in it. Um, and it's an easier conversation, an easier dialogue to, you know, break that down to a guy. It's like, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do for your your marketing, your branding. He understands that he knows or he can come to the table with ideas. Um, so I think, you know, I think it should be approved in all states. Not my go. It's approved in New Jersey. So we're good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're, we're fine up here. So there you go. When, and what you talked about, too, was, you know, with travel teams, AAU and they, and even down into the middle school and even in some elementary aged athletes, you know, uh, now it's, it's a totally different off topic issue, but you know, what are the implications of sports specialization at that young of an age? Um, now that's going to be a whole another topic for a different podcast, but you know, we can, we can, you can imagine with the burnout and just getting, getting tired of your sport. If you're fine that, that early. I definitely agree. I have mixed sentiments. Like I said, I agree with you. I'm, you know, I don't want to dive into that because that's a whole different topic, but I do. Yeah. I've seen it and I think we all seen it. It's been going on for years. There are specialized schools and institutions um, that solely focus on sports, you know, and I think parents, and it's, I just, I think just in general, like we, we have to stop looking at sports as uh, a leisure activity and it's a business, you know, I see it as a business. I think, you know, understanding that it's a job occupation, you know, I think, when kids are growing up, you hear that you can become a lawyer, you can work in business and you're striving for those things. So what do you do? You know, in high school, you take specific courses. You know, if you want to be a nurse or a doctor, you're taking biology and anatomy instead of maybe a regular science class. You know, I didn't really take too many science because I didn't really need science, and you know, but I was ready to do math. So I always took the extra maths. Um, but in high schools, you know, you might take a business course or, you know, I know I'm going to get a business and and it's helping you figure out where you want to go in an occupational standpoint. I think we have to look at sports as an occupation. You know, if that's something an athlete wants to do, a family will invest in that. So if it's sending their kid to an IMG Academy, you know, sending their kid to a prep school, you know, they're going, they have to pay for those things, but they're investing in their kids because 
I know my kid occupation, they want to become a professional athlete or they want to be an athlete at the highest level. You know, so I'm investing in them. They're going to get the right training, the right coaching. They're going to play the right talent. They're going to be on the right circuit to be exposed and, and recruited to get them to that. That's the best chance they're going to get is going that route. Um, I do I do see that there's going to be more of those ex- opening up. Um, I do agree as well that there is going to be an emphasis at an early age on that. And I do see a burnout for a lot of kids. Um, I just, hopefully this goes into parenting. I don't want to dive into that, but they, you know, do what's right for the kid and what the kid wants to do and not force anything on them. But I do see like, it's going to begin. It's going to start at the first, second, third grade level, Um, you know, training, you know, there's going to be kids that are in third, fourth grade having a trainer, you know, parents going to be paying the training fee. (laughs) The kid's going to be training two, three times a week at an early level that's just where we're going to be at this level at this moment in the world so yeah very cool michael hey thank you for spending some time with us uh tell people how they can get a hold of you yeah for sure um so i'm excited that you guys had me on you know we talk a lot um i actually have to connect you with somebody so that's a plug but but um yeah man you guys can reach me at all social platforms at brookline sports so it's the at symbol at brookline sports or at symbol at Mike Seabrook Jr. Um, you also can go to the website, www.brooklinesport.com. Um, yeah, man, I'm here to advise, consult. Um, you can book a call um, to consult, or if you have a family, friend, athlete, just reach out. And I think the big thing, you see where he's coming from and his heart is really protecting the athlete and helping be that filter uh, for, you know, thinking big and making sure contracts are right and all that sort of thing. So Michael, man, I appreciate you being on here. Thank you everybody for joining us on NIL Undressed. As always, every like, subscribe and share is greatly appreciated.